Brothers and sisters, let us pray. Almighty God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Now, in the past two weeks, we've been asking the question, who is Jesus according to God? Who is Jesus according to God? And we've been looking at that through the perspective of Jesus' baptism, because there the heavens open and God declares these words. Mark 1 verse 11. God says to Jesus and about Jesus, you are my son, my beloved, with you I am well pleased. And so in the previous two weeks, we looked at the first two, that Jesus is God's son and his beloved. But now we're going to look at the third, that Jesus is the one in whom God is well pleased. And so following what we've done in the past two weeks, we're going to take the same trajectory. We're going to ask the question, what does it mean for God to be pleased, to delight in something? What does it mean that God delights in Jesus specifically? And lastly, what does that mean for us? Right. So what does it mean for God to have pleasure, to delight in something? What does it mean that he delights in Jesus specifically? And then lastly, what does that mean for us? So first point. It's a very simple point, but it's a point that we often overlook in theology. But our God is a God who delights in things. He is a God who shows forth pleasure. He is a happy God. And we see this throughout scripture. So, for example, in Psalm 104, God rejoices in the things that he has made. God is pleased in his creation. Or in Luke 15, uh, God rejoices at the uh, repentance of a sinner. God is pleased when that happens. And this is a good thing. It's good that God shows pleasure in these but as we saw last week, just as God doesn't need creation in order to love, neither does he need creation in order to be pleased, in order to be satisfied. No, prior to creation and by himself, God had abundant pleasure, satisfaction in himself. Because our God is a God who is sufficient unto himself, and he is satisfied in himself. He doesn't need anything external to him to be content, to be, uh, uh, to be satisfied. And in this sense, God is very different from us. We need to think about this for a little bit. Because as creatures, we are not self-sufficient, but we are not self-satisfied. We need things outside of us to be content. We have a simple demonstration of this every day. We must eat and we must drink. We need these things outside of us. But these point to a deeper underlying reality, that is we can only be satisfied, truly satisfied, in the one who provides us with these things, in our creator, God. You see, you and I, as God's creatures, were meant to be satisfied, to be content, to find pleasure in him, the one who is by himself perfectly satisfied, perfectly content, rejoicing 
in his own being. You see, for us, part of our understanding of sin is that it is a failure to appreciate God, a failure to rejoice in him and a failure to be content in him. And it is actually an exchanging of this God towards things in the creation. So you want to be satisfied in relationships. You look for a girlfriend or for a boyfriend or you look for anything else because you're not satisfied in God. Or you look for abundance of material possessions and you're constantly trying to add more and more things because you think that these will satisfy. Or you aspire to achieve great things, whether academically or in your career, because these things, the position that you have in the world, will one day make you satisfied. It is the God of the belly, the desire to be permanently consuming, always seeking satisfaction, but never quite reaching it. It's a tragedy. And the Bible describes this. It describes it, I think, well in two places, in Jeremiah 2 and in uh, Romans 1. Jeremiah describes it this way, my people have changed their glory, that is the glory of God, for that which does not profit. And Paul says in Romans 1 that the truth about sin is we have exchanged the glory of God for images resembling mortal man and birds and creeping things, things in the creation. Instead of being satisfied in God, instead of being pleased in God, we seek satisfaction and contentment elsewhere. Now, of course, this has a consequence. It has a consequence in that we are never satisfied. It also has a consequence that we're under God's judgment and his curse. But it also has another consequence, which is that as those who have rejected and rebelled against God, we are not pleasing to God. In fact, Paul makes the point very strongly, he says in Romans 8, that it is impossible for those who are in the flesh to please God. So for us who are sinful, who've turned aside from God and have sought satisfaction and pleasure in all of these things, that rejection of God means that we are no longer pleasing in sight and nor can we please him. You think that you can satisfy God in the things that you do, in racking up credits for yourself, in in ticking all of the boxes. The nature and the reality of sin, the fact that you have turned aside from God, means that by nature, you and I cannot please God. That's the wrong way to go. God cannot look at you and he cannot look at me by ourselves and say, as he says to Jesus, in you, I am well pleased. No, because we were not pleased with God. God is not and he could not be pleased with us. But you see, the truth of this passage, the truth of the baptism is that Jesus is different right? God can, he is, and he does take pleasure in Jesus, right? He can say to Jesus, in you my soul delights, in you I abound in joy, in you I am well pleased. 
And I think in particular, what we see in the baptism is the two aspects of God's pleasure in his son. On the one hand, God delights in Jesus for who he is. And on the other hand, God delights in Jesus for what he does, right? For who he is and also for what he does. On the one hand, this passage points us forward into the Gospels and it points us to the transfiguration. It points us to that time when Jesus is elevated and his face shines and his clothes are radiant and white. And God again repeats the words to the disciples. This is my son, my beloved, in whom I am well pleased. Why? Because in that great event, Jesus is revealed as the radiance of the Father's glory, the one in whom all the fullness of God is pleased to dwell. God of God and light of light, the one who is eternally the Father's object of pleasure and delight. You see, God can look at Jesus in the transfiguration and he can declare to the disciples and to us, look at Jesus. Look at him as his face shines in glory. Look at him, the one who is my eternal son. Look at this one. This is the one in whom I have always been pleased and in whom I will always be pleased. See, that's Jesus. He is the one who is by nature the one in whom God delights. The brightness of his majesty is the object of his father's joy. But more than that, these words point us back to the Old Testament. Because the phrase, in you I am well pleased, is pretty much a direct translation of what we see in Isaiah 42 concerning the servant of the Lord. Have a look at that with me now. Isaiah 42, hopefully on your screen. Here we find these words. God says, behold, my servant whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. God takes pleasure in this servant. And what we read in the next sentence, this is the one upon whom God has put his spirit. And so the point in the baptism in Matthew and Mark and Luke is, is really very simple. That as the spirit descends upon Jesus and as God says, this is the one in whom I am well pleased. The writers are saying and God is saying that this Jesus is the Isianic servant. This is the one that Isaiah was talking about. Jesus is that servant. And what do we discover about this servant? What is it that he is like and, and why does God take pleasure in him. Well, verse 2 and verse 3, I think, tell us. The servant will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. He's not arrogant. He's not boastful. He's not rude. Verse 3, a bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. In other words, we here we have a picture of meekness. We have a picture of gentleness and of tenderness, a, a, a reed, a, a really valueless plant, broken 
And yet instead of snapping it off and breaking it and tearing it away and throwing it into the fire, there is gentleness and healing and restoration. The smoldering wick, which so easily could be snuffed out, is tended and fanned into flame. These are the qualities that God sees in his servant, and this is what God delights in. And furthermore, this is, this is only the start of what we see in the servant's character, because by the end of this servant's uh, theme, as we reach into Isaiah 52 and 53, there we see the servant who in his meekness is willing to suffer and die for his people so that God could bless them. You see, the, the servant, the one who is meek, the one who does not crush the reed, the one who does not snuff out the wick, the one who is willing to lay down his life for his people. This is the one in whom God is well pleased. God delights in Jesus because of who he is in the brightness of his majesty and because of what he does in the beauty of his meekness. The Father is well pleased and deservedly so in Jesus. And therefore, and because of Jesus and because of his work for us, God can and he does take pleasure in us. In fact, we, we did read this recently when we looked at Luke chapter 2. What do the angels say to the shepherds? Peace on earth on those upon whom God's pleasure rests, upon those in whom he is well pleased. And why is that? How can God be pleased with us? I, I said a moment ago that God could not be pleased with us, that it was impossible for those who are in the flesh to please God. Well, it is because of the work of Christ who offered himself up for us in the words of Ephesians 5 as a pleasing aroma to God that we can stand in him as those who are pleasing to God. You see, Jesus has worked on our behalf and now as we are united in him, God can look at him and he can look at us in him and say to you and to me, in you I am well pleased. God takes pleasure in his people. He takes pleasure in those whom he has redeemed through Christ. He has not had to have his arm twisted. He is not reluctant in seeing his people saved. No, again from Luke, it is the Father's good pleasure to give his people the kingdom. Not fundamentally or primarily because he delights in us, of ourselves, but because he delights in Jesus and delights in his work. But brothers and sisters, there is more to it than that, obviously, because the Bible also tells us that we are called to please God. It's not just that because we stand in Christ that God is pleased in us, that is true, but we are also called in Christ to be those who now please God. So, for example, we see this as a, as a general statement 
Uh, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, we make it our aim to please him. Or Ephesians 5, he tells the church, try to discern what is pleasing to God. And before I move on to the specifics, I just want you to think about that. That is an amazing privilege. If you are able now to please God, it is only because God has so worked to make you pleasing to him and to make your works able to please him. As Christians, you stand in a wonderful position. You are actually those who are able to offer something which is pleasing to God in and through Christ. And so there are some specifics that we see. So, for example, in in Colossians 3.20, Paul says this. He says to children, children, obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. That is, children, if you're listening, that the way you submit to your your parents, the way you obey them, the way you uh, try to humbly submit to them, is a thing that is actually pleasing to God. It's a good thing. Or in Hebrews 13, and as I discussed last week, do not neglect to do good and to share, because this is pleasing to God. That is, when you give up your possessions and give up your money and give to the poor and needy and give to your brothers in Christ who are suffering, that is something which is pleasing to him. However, before I close, I want to to make one last point. I could list forever examples of what you could do to please God. But actually, I want to say that the call as Christians is deeper than that. It's much deeper than that. See, we're not just called to please God. We are those who are called to find our pleasure in God. We are those who are supposed to be delighted in and to rejoice in him. And sanctification is not just about reforming our actions. It is about redirecting our pleasures. Right? Sanctification, growing as a believer, is not just about changing what we do, but deeper than that, it's about changing what we desire. Right? So if you struggle with sin... Often at the root of that is a desire that we have that is outside of God, that is still in creation. Let me give you one very simple example. Think about the way that we use our words. Sometimes we will use our words in gossip, in slander, in putting other people down. The snarky, snide comments. Now, why do we do that? Why do we use our words that way? If we think about it just a little bit, the reason we do that is because we actually take pleasure in that. When we put someone down, we elevate ourselves up and we feel good about that. When we gossip about someone, we're saying to other people that we are in the know. Right, that we somehow know what's going on here, and we can communicate that to you from our privileged position of knowledge. We delight in this. But you see, that is not like the servant. That is not using 
Our power in meekness and humility is not using it to build and to restore and to heal, but rather to break down and to wound. It is taking the reed and breaking it. It is taking the faintly burning wick and snuffing it. See, we have to be those who don't just take, uh, don't just desire to, to change outwardly our actions, but deeper than that, to be reforming our pleasures so that we delight in the things that delight God. In short, we should also be those who say with God that we take pleasure in the qualities, the attributes, the characteristics which are displayed in God's Son. Our call as Christians is to take pleasure in Jesus. So I'm going to close in in one part of Scripture. I want to uh, think about how it is that we might do this. And I want to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18 to leave you to think about this. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18. And Paul says this, And we all with unveiled face are beholding the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. See, what's going on there? Paul is describing sanctification as a process where we are beholding the glory of God revealed in Christ, and in that beholding, we are being transformed into his image. In other words, I think what Paul is saying is that we become like what we behold. Right? If we are beholding Christ, if we're taking pleasure in him, if we're delighting in him, if we're communing with him in his word and praying and, and desiring to see more of him, then we will become like him. But if we spend our time delighting in other things, then we will gradually become like them. If you behold money and that is the object of your desire, you will become greedy and avaricious. If sex is the object of your desire, then you will probably become exploitative. But if Jesus is the object of your desire and you want to behold him, then you will become more and more like him. You will be conformed from one degree of glory to the other. And so, brothers and sisters, I want to end with the call Can we say with God that we take pleasure in Jesus? And as those who now stand in Jesus and as those in whom God is well pleased, let us also be those who seek to be pleasing to God by finding our pleasure in Jesus. Let us pray. In the words of the psalmist, whom have I in the heavens high but thee, O Lord, alone, and in the earth whom I desire, besides thee there is none. Gracious Father, we do pray that these words would become our own, that we would desire uh, more and more your risen and glorified Son, and we pray that you would be conforming us more and more into his image from one degree of glory to another. Help us in all things to be pleasing to you by finding our pleasure in Jesus. And we ask this for your name's sake. Amen.